are listening to the Clem Throne Blodgecast here on a Sunday afternoon in sunny Gosnells. I'm here with my friend Cabba. I'm here, also in Gosnells. Real happy to be here. It's been a while. Thanks for that, Cabba. It was a very <laughs> lovely story. And here with us is Mark Hawkins. Hey, yeah. From such bands as Grotesque and from such companies as Hawkins Guitars, Custom Luthia. How you going, Mark? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good, as if we haven't already said that when we walked through the door. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for letting us in, our, in your house with our Ashes handheld recording studio. Um, we can see a few grotesque CDs in front of us, the brand new album, so looking forward to talk about that today. Yep, sure. And uh, amongst many, many things. Firstly, what beer are you guys drinking? Cheeky Monkey Belgian IPA. Pretty young. Oh, Margaret River, right? Yeah. Down south here, Margaret River. It's pretty tasty. I'm off booze at the moment. Oh, yeah? So you're encouraging you me. You certainly don't look it. <laughs> yeah, I had some wine last night. But Any only reason? half a bottle. Just can't be fucked? Nah, well, actually a bit of a money saver, but also because of Jim's wedding. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to detox before I die. <laughs> but you're doing the same. Why are you doing that, Cabba? Uh, I'm not off the booze. I'm just, I'm not drinking today. Drank a lot during the week. Uh, yeah, I had a pretty okay. big one Friday. Back at work tomorrow. Yeah, one week to go to America for Jim's thing. So save a bit of coin and try and be healthy while I can for about one more week. Yeah. Then look out. Yeah, I don't really drink much anymore. So yeah, only every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, when I say I'm off the booze, it is more just like a... Just for the taste and... Not getting utterly mad not at every night. Yeah. Not being an example of... Uh, <laughs> What I was last week on the podcast, <laughs> which was not real good. Anyway, whatever. So where does the tale begin? We've, uh, we've spoke to Josh from Grotesque a couple of times before he even joined Grotesque on this show. That's always a blast. Um, so yeah, Mark's the guitarist, not the singer. Can you do brutal vocals if you needed to? Uh, no. Uh-huh, You'll probably no. realise that when you hear my voice back on this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, nah, not not a fan of the the singing. Never interested me. Have you tried? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. I always wanted to do backing vocals, or like at one point we didn't have a vocalist, so I was like, maybe we should just make it a three piece, and I'll try and do vocals, or or get the bass player to help and just do like that kind of dual attack thing, which I've always liked. But yeah. when you guys started, was like was Taryn in the band already or is it just like no you and um it was the guys, so just pretty much first. me and trev for quite a while yeah i'd say about three or four months and then simon wasn't too far away and then yeah Taryn was probably probably about six months into it because he would always just come to jam and sit there and listen so we we're like <laughs> yeah. here you go have a go mate <laughs> and he fucking did a good job so we're like yeah. sweet cool that was easy <laughs> so you guys were writing obviously writing all the music by itself and then just whacking in the vocals yeah later on yeah that's pretty much how it's always been since day one it's just we write the full song and then go go back in there and usually Trev will write vocals to suit the music and oh, yeah. to sit right into and it stuff. yeah and um yeah, yeah, a lot of his songs are written like that and a lot of mine I kind of just write the lyrics out with not even considering what the music is yeah. and then just go to the Ross or someone, the singer, and go, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make that work. So when Trev does vocal patterns, would he actually do like mock vocals pretending to sing or something on a demo? Uh, no. No. no he, yeah. 
it's been kind of tricky, I guess, trying to get his point across. And um, yeah, it usually kind of just sits down with the singer and kind of goes through it here and there. Oh, okay, yeah. Or just keeps telling him it's wrong until they get it right, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so he's got some songs and you got some songs. Does he play guitar as well? Or he'll write nah. them on drums? No, nah, he, he, um, I write all the music and uh, he writes, he, half of that album is all his lyrics. Oh, okay. And um, two songs on that album are mine and three are Ross's. Yeah, right. Awesome. Do you stick to like a theme? With it? Um, me and Trev try. We've got kind of worked out what our overall kind of theme is. Yeah. His is kind of, you know, very, uh, how would you say? Shit. <laughs> it's very like spacey and sciencey and stuff. Yeah. And mine's very similar, but it's more like earthy and yeah. sciencey rather than spacey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how does like Ross get that as a general idea of the band and... <clears throat> Um. Yeah, he tries to make it work as well. Yeah, he's got his own little style as well. I think he's still trying to find his own style because he's only new to writing lyrics, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of yeah finding his sort of pocket. Mm-hmm. Whereas me and Trevor found ours, and we kind of stick to it. And we know what we want to do. Mm. But cool. Yeah, heaps of metal bands do that. Hey, like it's someone else in the band that writes the lyrics. And I fucking personally hate writing lyrics. It's the worst thing for me to do. I don't mind coming up with funny or crazy concepts or whatever to have lyrics based on. But I just enjoy that because it's more like hanging out and talking. <laughs> but to put that down somehow, even if it is freeform, like, I don't know. I feel as awkward as if I was singing it if I give someone words I've written. Does that make sense to anyone? Yeah. It's yeah. bizarre. I quite like it, eh? Yeah? Yeah. I'd like to have written more, but I'm mm. lazy, so... Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so when you say you just do it and then you give it to them, is it in like a... Are they like a poem, like in lines, or is it just text? Um, no, yeah, I kind of write it out in like, you know, sentences and paragraphs in certain ways, but it's kind of up to him to make it work within the song, you know? Yeah. And the, I think all the songs I've given to him, he's moved... Not so much like reworded it or anything, but he's kind of like added a word in here and there to make it work where it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, uneven amount of words to figure it out. So yeah. he's kind of added more or taken one out or something to make it fit properly. Yeah. Does death metal vocals have rhyming in the lyrics? Um, or is it just the, I like, try the right to, amount of I try to syllables. avoid it. Yeah. Trev hates it, tries to avoid it, but a lot of death metal singers mm. fall into that trap of yeah. the last word always Has rhymes yeah. with like... The last word of every sentence always rhymes and shit, and I fucking hate it. Mm. It's so dumb. <laughs> um, what about like, do you have, so choruses or anything? Does any like some of the lyrics repeat? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most songs. Um, when me and Trev write them, kind of, there's been a few little little parts, but it never repeats itself the same. Oh, yeah. It like rehashes certain certain pieces. Awesome. But um, because our songs don't generally have repeating choruses and verses and things. They're kind of written unconventionally. So it's just like a scatter of flowing riffs that kind of go through and they'll flick back and repeat here and there, but we'll never never play it the same twice. There'll always be like a little tail added in and that just to make it different. Because I don't know, I'm obsessed with like, (laughs) I can't play the same thing over and over again because in my head I'm like, it's boring. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I sometimes will go for it because it's like easy, like copy paste that section. 
into yeah. there and then move on to the next. It bit. was like when we were tracking trap, yeah, yeah, when we we're tracking the album, Sam's like, "Oh, the next riff's the same as the other one, eh?" And I'm just <laughs> like, "Technically, it is, but it isn't. So we're gonna have to play it." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's yeah, good. That's a good way wasn't to. A, it, yeah, we're keep trying it fresh to copy anyway. and paste parts as where we could, but sometimes it was just the same riff but palm muted differently, shit like that, you know. Yeah. So cool. And so yeah, all the songs on the new album, it's been like. 75 years since the last release yeah. so are some 83 of these songs, years are some of those songs pretty old or are they all like moderately <clears throat> it's fresh it's half and half so yeah. half of the songs were written 2010 to like yeah most of them were written in like 2010 kind wow. of era um, I think one of them was even written in like 2008 really yeah and then the, the second half was written over the course of the last two or three years did you retool those earlier ones to suit, like update them or anything like that, um, or were they pretty much not done? really? They're pretty much as they were written, eh? <clears throat> so what <laughs> stops you from recording like earlier? Um, money, yeah. Uh, organization, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just never getting around to it and losing members and stuff. Like it was a little bit rocky here and there, you know, replacing singers and mm. and then we just took a break for about two or three years and it just kind of didn't wasn't a priority at the time yeah and then it wasn't until we actually had like a solid ass lineup that we're like all right we need to get this album out now yeah it is it is interesting because a lot of bands in perth especially and i guess in every music scene just like do take massive breaks between albums and you, anything could be happening in between someone has a kid someone leaves the band can't be fucked or like working hard at whatever like I'm sure you still played tons of guitar in the meantime yeah man we still jammed a lot me and Trev like yeah. we should have been writing but we did. We weren't we were just yeah. jamming old songs just keeping you know keeping up the the, the practice and the, the routine of it all or else we would have probably fizzed out and done nothing and never got back together you know yeah so once you had the yeah the solid line up and it was all happening again how did you actually make it happen I guess like was it did you just book in somewhere for recording and you were like all right that's it now we've got to fucking get this shit yeah um yeah it kind of wasn't until we were looking around at what we wanted to do and sam was like you know i wanted to record you guys for a long time so all right let's do it and then that's pretty much what the driving force that made us actually have to do it was the fact that we were planning to do it you know like Mm -hmm. when when there was no plans to record it it was never going to happen because there was nothing there behind us to make it happen, you know. Like, did you have um, like album titles and artwork and stuff back then, or was that um, post? We had no album title and we had no artwork. We just had all the songs, and the album title came about after the artwork was done, and the artwork was pretty much just kind of come up off of a concept that kind of reflected the general gist of the album. It wasn't like related specific to any kind of idea of a song or anything it was kind of just like a, a broad overall kind of this is what the album feels like and what some of it's about you know so that's how that came about sick and so once you got that and you yeah you're in the studio and stuff it all starts coming to life a bit hey and yeah. then you probably got more yeah. motivation to just finish everything and yeah just get it done and out of your life I guess. The, the, the biggest driving force was when we booked a, an album launch it was oh, like yeah. fuck. Now we've got to actually do stuff and mm. had to God, you you wouldn't know, be get the, the yeah, pressings done. Some of the bands back in the day would have CD launches and the CDs wouldn't be ready. <laughs> Us yeah. included. This, by the way, real good. I love this little solo thing here. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Decrepit <laughs> Birth cover of Sepultura. Um, 
Yeah, so who started the plan for the recording? Did you discuss it with Sam or did he say, I want to record you in this fashion or how did it work? Man, it was, I guess it was, yeah, him wanting to do it a certain way in that and then us kind of trying to make it work because it was all over the place, you know, we were kind of fitting it in with his schedule, which was pretty crazy. He's like touring all over with a bunch of bands, you know, yeah. mm. and then us, you know, kind of doing it when we had the money was another thing, mm. you know. So we did the drums like seven or eight months before we did the guitars. Yeah. I feel like, were you in a month or so before us? Yeah, uh, like a couple of weeks even, maybe like three three weeks or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was I pretty... remember going in there and setting up my kit and Brody walking in, he's like, man, you know Trev, right? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know Trev. He's like, fucking hell, man. Because <laughs> I watched him do some shit and oh, I couldn't that was believe there, it. it yeah, yeah, because we recorded the same studio, the drums anyway. Was Trev happy with his playing and like the drumming all went well? Yeah, nah, he, he did it all in like four days, which was pretty good. Oh, and we were, I was surprised. Used his own kit that he loves. Yeah, and tunes the piss out of it every fucking, <laughs> between every 10 yeah. minutes of every song. It's all over it, hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. he uses that tune bot, which I think is fucking cool. And I had one and I just didn't fall in love with it because I didn't like uh, explore it enough. And um, I think, oh, yeah, you know, this is about the same results I get just by ear. But, yeah, then when he dialed in at that show that we played together, like my kit before I went on, it's like the best live drum sound I've had in ages. And I just thought, shit, if he's if he's going for that without even having heard my kit before, yeah, then, yeah, it must be a pretty cool little device. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to buy one again. Yeah, I think you got to know how to use them properly as well. Yeah. A lot of people have bought them and said they're shit, apparently. So a lot of drummers. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's cat's hopping into uh, Ash's mic bag. Whatever yeah, it's pretty funny. Orange amp bag. Do you know yeah. what song this is? No. What is it? I think it's another cover. I love that they're doing the covers. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cat losing it off the couch. <laughs> yeah. By who? I don't know. It just I don't know who, who it's from. It just the. Yeah. Titles infecting the crypts. So. Definitely a thrash song. It's something that I, I recognise. Do you know what this is? Nah. Sounds good though. Yeah. So yeah. you had all those drum tracks then and then recorded the guitar here or with yeah, Sam? Yeah, you know, it was all yourself. guitars were here. Yep. And um, yeah. The, I think the worst part was doing the, the scratch tracks and shit. Because that was a bit of a rush job. We weren't prepared at all, you know. It's actually funny. After we did the drums and guitars, I went back and we listened to some of your podcasts and I found the podcast with Sam. And <laughs> pretty much everything that he suggested you should do, we didn't oh. do. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> we just weren't organised for it and we fucked, we fucked up some of the click tracks with like the oh, tempo yeah. changes. And yeah. luckily Trev's been such a fucking awesome drummer. There was a couple of songs where the... the Scratch tracks and click tracks were so shit that he just fucking winged it and straight to a click. Just was doing it straight to a click. Yeah. Which um, I think one song we fucked up something and he missed like a little a section, but it ended up, in my opinion, the song ended up better because of it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Other than that, yeah, it turned out pretty good considering we fucked up a lot of the, the scratch tracks. Have you ever recorded with you playing guitar as a scratch track live? No. Yeah, because no. we've done that. The first thing we did. Um, Cabba was in another room, you know, with the glass separating, just playing guitar along to me. 
And that was really bizarre because I'd always just played along to click tracks, just even as a kid, I just played some metronomes. So it was very bizarre to have you playing it live. And then the next album, we did scratch tracks. We didn't, I didn't check that they were that tight. I didn't really play along to them. And in the studio, it was like every time this certain part came in, was like a tempo change. The guitar was super loose and it would yeah, throw okay. me off and I'd stuff up the transition. Yeah. So then, yeah, it was better to just do the click track. But then you lose a little bit of the feeling of the part while you do it, a bit of the yeah. groove maybe. It's a, it's a fucking weird thing. But yeah, Trev's a metronome beast. Yeah. Which I think is pretty important in death metal. Yeah. To do. Yeah, I realised how shit I was at playing <laughs> to metronomes because I've... I've Used to practice to metronomes, but haven't done for a long time. Yeah. And I've and I'm, had this issue where my muscle memory was so used to playing songs at a certain tempo that when we recorded them, the tempos were different. Some some were a lot faster, some were a little bit slower, and it just wasn't what I was used to. So yeah. we had a lot of trouble with riffs what where my muscle memory is trying to play it at this tempo, mm. yeah. and the songs slightly below or above. Where like if I was good at playing to a metronome, I'd be able to just dial it back and play properly you know yeah and were you by yourself when you were recording guitar right. just me and Sam oh and Sam was with yeah. you the whole time okay cool did you did he record scratch tracks or you did them I did them yeah which is why we fucked them oh yeah, <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> you'd worked. think we'd know our own music eh but when we recorded them it was a fucking nightmare I think that's just is the way because when do you ever hear it unless you do pre-production yeah like proper pre-production because we try and do demos and it's the same deal. Like, fuck, sometimes I hear parts and I'm like, I didn't realise anyone was playing a chord that sounded like that. Mm. That's strange. And maybe what I was in the jam room vibing off, I was just like inventing in my head. <laughs> and so a drum feel would sound really bizarre as compared to the normal music. And because we lay the drums first, it's like I can't really go back and change it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's something to be said for a lot of prep and... Clear demos. Even yeah. um, the other night we were jamming with um, it was me, Jesse, and Dicey just having a guitar keyboard jam. Um, where as opposed to the rehearsal studio with drums, mostly all sounds okay. But when things are singled out and there will be that odd chord clash or lead clash, and you you notice them and can figure it out. Yeah, definitely helps. Being a one guitar band. How did that translate to um, recording? Like, have you, you got a number of layers with guitars still? <clears throat> um, it was, yeah, just double-tracked, kind of one left, one right. That was it, really, just trying to get them as perfect as I could to yeah. each other. There's no leads, really. There's, like, sweepy parts and stuff like that, but those were just, like, double-tracked, so they were the same. Yeah. Probably could have experimented, but it would kind of take away that what it is, you know? I thought Sick. the cat was controlling the music. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Something's fucky. Yeah. Um, cool. And did you record with a Hawkins guitar? Yes. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to know, right? So you did double tracks. Or did you like quad tracks? So left twice, right twice? Uh, or just one of each? No, just one each. Okay, yeah. sick. And then... And no, like maybe the occasional layer, if anything. Like, did you layer any parts extra? No, no, no it was shit. just one aside. No kidding. Pretty fucking sure, yeah. That's really cool. 
I suppose, fuck, because if your leads are kind of within the rhythm parts themselves, that'd work. Well, yeah, that's like, I think my style, it's a bit of a hybrid of like a little bit of lead mixed in with rhythm, but as a rhythm track, so it's mm. played twice, you know, that way you can play it live, you know, because if you got have some riff going underneath a little fucking solo sweepy section, yeah. it just ends up sounding dead live because you yeah. lose that, that rhythm section. Whereas I've just hybrided it into like this one sort of sound. So it's got your little sweepy mm. parts here, but mm. it's still rhythm in a sense. Well, that makes sense why the album has a lot of space then. Because I, I haven't listened to it on headphones or anything, but... Sounds good on headphones. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, I imagine. But like, you know, with the Claim Throne album, it's like parts get buried because, I mean, that's a lot going on in the album. But yeah. You know, you hear some albums and you're just like, wow, I can clearly hear the drumming, the bass, everything. And yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm. I like that idea. Less tracks, the better. <coughs> Less is more. Well, I don't know what I would do with more tracks, you know, other mm. than making it sound absolutely massive guitar-wise. Mm -hmm. But the shit's hard enough to track twice the same time, let alone four yeah. times, you know. Like the riffs kind of, a lot of it was pretty intricate little sections you know and i think if you're not gonna be absolutely fucking perfect on them it'd just turn mashy yeah and you wouldn't okay. have note definition and stuff mm. sweet that's play it awesome. tight twice get it done basically was sam happy with that like from a mixing perspective yeah. going like oh yeah less thing less elements to work with yeah well i don't think there was even any consideration into doing any more tracking it was just that's yeah. what we're gonna do and yeah huh pretty sweet if he had have suggested i probably would have tried it but yeah yeah i don't think we thought about it hmm. so and then you've told me before that you did the tracking with an amp going in your kitchen or in whatever the, uh in the like, dining room there yeah yeah and then reamped after yeah how did how did that go reamping yeah yeah it's good man we um we did it when we did the vocals so we hired a studio radar studios in uh South Perth or no not South Perth like North Bridgish mm -hmm. wherever the fucking Leaderville is yeah <laughs> could have been completely wrong three times there yeah but um yeah we had the Bogner and PV and just did it after we did the vocals which is weird because I've never done that before so you're sitting there listening to like the guitars being played through which is pretty cool oh so you never did that on the last one nah, nah. Oh, okay yeah it is a spun out thing and it's nice to not have the pressure of like this amp is mic'd up now. If we don't do the tracks now and we have to pack it down, then we're never going to get the same tone again. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. That's pretty cool. Did it help? Like, why did Sam want to set up an actual amp? Was it like... To help me track. Okay. Because I'm so accustomed to having a loud amp in the room when I play. Mm -hmm. Like, just sitting there playing through speakers just don't get that same feel, the same air movement from like a, a cranked cab, you know? And I guess, yeah, I sometimes rely on that the volume to be cranked to pull out some of the, the tones and noises that I do, you know, because like mm -hmm. on the album there's some weird like sweepy pictorial things, you know, which kind of you can't pull out on a low volume. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, having the amp there cranked, which we actually pulled a pretty decent tone yeah. from just having the amp in that room, you know, which you probably could have. Yeah. <laughs> when I heard it, I thought they those were the reamped guitars. Yeah. But... No. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was just the, the tone that we got here, which we scrapped. Yeah. That's interesting. So you were in the, like, you were standing in front of the cab. Nah, th so it was on the other side of that wall. Yeah. 
and I was sitting in here with him. So I had headphones on as well. Yeah. But I kind of had like one ear on the headphones and one ear out so I could hear the amp in the background as well as have it coming through my ear. Yeah. Uh, side note, Decapitated has just come on. Did you read the news about yeah. them? Yeah, I, I did. saw that. What the fuck, hey? That weird. sounds weird, eh? Kidnapping charges. Sounds like a groupie so, went into the van. Man, that's all you can think of. Eh? Like, imagine a band in a van and someone is in there partying with them or whatever and probably wants to go or something and they're all trashed and... Yeah. Yeah, either someone's been creepy and fucking... Maybe or... or she's just crazy. I don't know. Is it a she? Yeah. Yeah, no. apparently there's chicks saying that they kind of held, held her in the room and wouldn't let her out and stuff where... That sounds There's weird. There's like eyewitness <laughs> things saying that she left on her own and was happy to leave and it was no problem <laughs> until the next day. What the hell? Yeah, it, fuck it, knows. Yeah, it, it's hard to know what to take of it, but like just because she left happy, it might be like relieved that she got out of there. Like, oh God, yeah. I'm so happy to be leaving that place. Yeah, you never know, eh? Yeah, pretty weird. Pretty fucked, pretty really. Like those, yeah. those guys, apparently they're going to get booted out of the country. Yeah, really? and that's... Touring life for the US over yeah, for them. Yeah, good luck getting a visa. So, I mean, fuck. How long mm. was she in this van for or whatever? Like, what is kidnapping? Was so it a van or was it a hotel room? Oh, was it? Or I don't know. Oh, I thought it was just that tour I bus. I thought it was thing. a tour bus. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And like, huh. who knows what the fucking, whatever article it is, you know, can you even believe what they're writing? You know? yeah. yeah. Metal pretty sucks. Crazy. Pretty moderately unreliable. Is it? I don't know. Seems yeah. so. Yeah, I read Pitchfork and then... It didn't have any info, so I read something else. Tried to look for the most credible one, but mm. there's no more perthbands.com, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> there's no more Western <laughs> Front forum. That is true. Um, um, cool. Yeah, what? anyway, sidetrack. Let's yeah. go back to um, your guitars. So why you build guitars. Yeah. Tell me why. Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> right, well. Question one, why? Um, <laughs> I got to a point where I started to pay more attention towards my guitars and the tone that they can bring and how much awesome a nice custom guitar is so I, and I was buying US kind of US built custom Jacksons and things spending lots of money and then I just couldn't get what I wanted out of them you know because they don't really do the crazy tone wood matching and stuff it's just whatever's cheap for them to buy really you know and then didn't want to spend six or seven grand on a crazy ass custom that I wanted so my background in you know cabinet making and carpentry I've got all the skills there I work for a company that did some crazy high-end furniture and stuff so I had all the skill set I just didn't have the knowledge so I started researching and just you know I get pretty OCD with things like that and just <laughs> spent three or four months just researching and finding out everything that I could possibly know about it and then the building side of it was just like so easy it was just the the, the knowledge and the know-how that i had to learn first mm-hmm. so I was, yeah pretty much to avoid spending six grand on a custom guitar really i could build one for like a thousand dollars for myself you could get all the materials easy enough yeah it's pretty fucking hard in perth being so isolated i've got to get everything from america or something you know so you got to pay shitloads in shipping and stuff but so how much would you save on a guitar i guess if you built it yourself <clears throat> well for a pretty pretty crazy custom guitar, the materials usually lie around a thousand dollars, probably fifteen hundred if I want to go super crazy on the tone woods and stuff like like Johan, for instance. The fucking that top was fucking expensive. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, a lot cheaper than 
yeah, buying six thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah. For, for the guitars that I would want, you'd, you'd be looking at like six grand, you know, for like something super crazy, especially in like the multi multi scale designs and stuff like that, you know, very boutique sort of a thing. <laughs> but what was it about the Jacksons that you felt you were lacking? Like, did you have knowledge of Tone Woods and stuff that? Or, no, not at that time, right? Yeah. I just thought fucking whoa, four and a half grand and Jackson built in America has got to be the best, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I bought like a, a US made warrior and thought it was the shit for years. And then I bought a Japanese made Jackson Dinky, that one right there, oh, which, yeah. which I later found out that the, the warrior was made out of shitty um it was made out of mahogany but not the good mahogany you know it was made out of the the stuff that that isn't banned which i don't rate much at all Mm -hmm. and it just had a muddiness to it that i didn't like yeah when i started to figure things out and when i bought that one that's a um an alder body with a rock maple neck and it's just had this real bright wicked like dynamic tone to it Mm -hmm. that i was like why does this guitar sound better than my american custom that was like four or five times as much money Oh, so that was like a grand or something to buy. That was like $400 that I bought off the country. Oh, second yeah, hand. Not yet. I think brand new there, like a grand. Man. And it sounded so much better than a fucking American built U- US Jackson that's fucking four and a half. I thought I, I think I paid for it. I love buying shit that's cheap, that, you know, has the right elements that make something really good. So, a couple of examples, for instance, so guitars, Gumtree. Made in Japan, 1979, so as vintage as you can get, Stratocaster, but it's a copy. And yeah. it's as good as... I used to have an American Deluxe Strat, and this thing's as good, if not better than that. And, yeah, it cost me 300 bucks. And then the other side of the fence is, like, recently buying a new modem in the last 12 months or something. And, yeah, doing all the research and was just about to buy a, like, $500 one and then realised the same specs was on this thing from dick smith for 30 bucks or something and bought that at like best internet connection i've ever had yeah and it's just like you know some things are more than just the name of it on there yeah because man i love jackson's the best jackson i ever played was one of those um oh i wasn't even a jackson who's the guy from bc rich the other guy rico bernie rico no, you ever heard of his guitars bernie rico jr or whatever no Oh, okay. That, Probably should, but no. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a BC Rich's son or something like that. Yeah, right. yeah and I played a guitar. Th- Probably seen them, just not familiar with the name yeah. maybe. It was exactly like a Jackson. Yeah, right. But I played that and I also played a um, a Jackson soloist. That was it. Yeah. And both of those are like really sick guitars, but it's just like they just have really nice finishes on them. I don't really know what's under the hood. You're buying yeah. it off a shelf. Is it made with a machine or by hand? As opposed to PRS or something that you know is made by, well, I assume is made by people's hands, right? Are they? Or like PRSs? Yeah. Majority of them the are done on CNCs ones. and they're assembled oh. by people where... Oh, gotcha. I think they're all like that. It could be wrong. If, if it's like a custom shop one, I think they make them by hand. Yeah, okay. But I can't see them sitting there cutting the body and shaping the neck by hand. Yeah. I, I can just see them putting them on a CNC and just shaping it and then doing all the sanding and the fine-tuning themselves, you know. Mm. I know they do all the binding and stuff by hand, but there's no machines that can do that anyway, really. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's what you do is things by hand, right? Well, man, yeah, I do it 
with as, as minimal machine tools as possible, you know. It's all hand tools, you know. When I carve out the necks, it's using rasp and bastard files and little spoke shaves and things, you know. I pretty much, 90% of the work I do on my guitars is just like a router, a trimmer and hand tools. I'll take the, the wood into work <laughs> and cut up like the necks usually mm-hmm. into like the, you know, the, the thin stringer pieces to make up like the lamb necks. Yeah, I'll do that on a panel saw at work, and then bring it all home, and everything else is done with like routers and stuff. <laughs> That's so wild, eh? <laughs> routers and templates. <laughs> it's so much work, and it's kind of can be hard work, you know, especially shaping necks with files and yeah. things like that. But um, it's I enjoy it. It's fun. Mm. You ever fucked anything up? Oh, Cost yeah. you a lot of money. Fucking oath. Um, <laughs> not, not a lot. I've fucked up a few necks, but it was usually when I was starting out just fucking around not for anyone you know and um yeah i've made some mistakes and fucked up and learned from it <laughs> well, so what's the plan with the guitars then where do you want to take them or the plan do you want to make it like you know you've got a good job that you i assume you like well keep going there <laughs> yeah i could i could do more with it than i do but i don't like people all that much so like dealing with people is always an issue yeah you get so many people that are just time wasters like I've spent literally weeks talking to people and going through like a, a build design and oh I want this and I want this and oh yeah we can do this and that giving them quotes and that and then they just vanish so you've yeah. spent like all these hours talking to them and coming up with them and then they just go away and you never hear from them again so mm. it's like mm. I've got that skepticism in the back of my head when someone comes up like oh I'm looking at getting a custom guitar and I'm like oh yeah sure you are kind of thing yeah but you know, I sh- so in an ideal world, would you want to be making heaps of them? If, yeah, if those sort sure. of people. Yeah, but um, legit. Yeah. But I suppose the the labour time is just crazy if you're doing it by hand, and I don't think in this day. I've and got age, it pretty quick now, man. Oh, you do? Yeah, I I think total hours of your build, not including the finishing side, was only about sixty hours. So like, well, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, it's like a week, week or two's work, you know. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Mm. Yeah, and it's not a lot like slower to make three guitars at the same time, you know. Gotcha. You'd probably be looking at like maybe eighty hours to make three at a time rather than seventy to do one. If you got all the same templates. Yeah. It'd be good if I could stick to a a specific design because I've got templates that I make for them all and I always change them like as I go you know there's always something that I can tweak and that I want to change and make better on the next one so you've kind of mm-hmm. got to redesign the templates yeah. and probably like 60% of the work is making templates oh for you know, real I'll be out there building a guitar and I'll probably spend four hours making a template to do a job that takes fucking you know a couple hours yeah or templates, you know, like I'll make a whole heap in a row. I'll spend like half a day out there making all these templates just so I can actually start the guitar. Yeah. That's Would you ever have like a range of similar guitars or all? Yeah. Ordered, yeah. I think I've pretty much refined like your latest one. That's like, I think I've refined the shape now and I know <coughs> what I want. But I've got all mm-hmm. the templates for a seven string, your one. But now yeah. I want to make one for myself. <laughs> so I've got to modify all those templates and make new ones to make it a six string. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is pretty crazy, like, just having a guitar that just came from your brain. <laughs> you know, like, most most things I buy, it's, I'm searching for something I know already exists. And, you know, technically you can buy fucking seven strings anywhere these days. But, yeah, it's pretty, it's a unique thing to have and it has its own sound and... 
I don't know. I don't think if I went guitar shopping for something, I would just happen upon not even just the craziness of the design itself, but just the sound of it is very unique. And well, that's it there because it's it's all of the timbers and thing that goes into it are all placed there for specific reasons. You know, like we were talking about mm. matching woods for certain tones. You know, yeah, and, and that plays a big part in it. I reckon. Yeah. So you'll never find that tone on a guitar that's just on a wall somewhere with like a maple neck and a fucking outer body that they make a million of, you know? Yeah. It kind of comes with that close matching of everything. Yeah. And even the way you join the woods together makes a difference, you know? Like having that neck through just makes a huge difference. And Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to build another bolt-on ever again, eh, after that one? <laughs> oh, man, i got to tell you, because I've got two Hawkins guitars and I got... I don't play guitar live, but I love recording. So that's what prompted me to get the first one. And my shit band uses seven strings for some cold chamber influenced reason. <laughs> and, um, so I thought, oh yeah, if I get a really well built seven, then these guys can use it on the recording. And um, yeah, the design was basically like uh, insane hot rotted super strat just from the start and it turned into what it turned into. And then, then I got a second one because I thought, what complements a Strat better than a Les Paul? So the second one's like Les Paul on acid and the, the body finish looks like it's on acid. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think I could just, definitely couldn't get a seven, but even a pairing of a six-string Strat and a six-string Les Paul, it's, it's too predictable, you know what I mean? Like it's nice to have a bit of uniqueness and in this day, I think of homogenized sounds and tones it's cool to just have something that's that's just what it is. It is what it is, you know. It's awesome. Yeah. So how do people hear about you? Like the people that are hitting you, hitting you up and asking for specs and shit over a couple of weeks. Like, is it all just word of mouth sort of thing? It, those people are usually just random people that have stumbled across the Facebook page or oh, yeah. have heard about it somewhere along the lines, you know. All right. This is a Facebook, so like. Okay. It's usually people that I don't really know, so I'm more inclined to just kind of be like, oh, yeah, righto, and then never hear from them again and not really chase it up or anything. Like, if I was a true businessman and I was, like, more business-orientated mentally, I'd probably chase them down. And a lot of the time, they want a guitar that I don't kind of build, you know? Like, they want, like, a Strat rep or something, and I'm just like, buy a Strat, you know? Oh, can you build me this that... Something that looks exactly like a Les Paul, and I'm like, just go buy a fucking Les Paul, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? Can you? Do you have like a price list of sorts? Like, yeah, I've got a kind of like pick a, and choose what you want in your build. Yeah, I could probably put more time into it and come up with a better kind of plan and price list on how it works. But I kind of roughly know how to do it now. Yeah, there's some of those websites and stuff where you can try and get like an online quote or whatever, and you pick your wood and you pick all the different stuff you want, and by the end it'll tell you. But I don't know if it's as simple as that. Yeah, it kind of is. For me, it's a bit different because it's all kind of done by hand and that. Yeah. Whereas, like, when you've got a factory where it's all CNC machined, you know what it's going to cost, you know how long it's going to take. So their pricing reflects that, you know, so it's not going to vary much. Yeah. Whereas if someone might choose, like, something or, like, go with a design that's a little bit different, it's kind of could be a couple of extra days' work, you know. Yeah. And, like, I do it in my spare time. It's not a job. So when I do do it, I'm not in the shed going fucking hammer and tongs trying to pump it out and and do it like thinking that it's costing me money as I'm building yeah, it you know yeah. because for me it's just fun so I'm out there doing it at my own pace 
Cool. You know, I'll, I could go out there and spend a whole day working on a guitar and do fuck all, you know, and then I could get heaps done in that same time frame. Yeah. Just depends, you know, how I'm feeling at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, that's cool. So, was the downtime between albums like gave you enough time to start building guitars? Like, did that help out at all, or is it just coincidence? No, that kind of came in at the same kind of time, you know, when we weren't doing a lot with the band, I kind of, my attentions went towards building guitars, and that was where my time was going, you know? Yeah. And then that was probably why it kind of the break went for so long, because I was literally like, you know, eh. Yeah, yeah. And then did it excite you that you're like, cool, now we're going to, we've got new songs playing my own guitars now they get to be on a record yeah i didn't even think about that eh to be honest yeah. didn't even think about it no did you throw a logo no oh man what are you <laughs> doing i thought about doing the whole fucking endorsed by fucking hawkins guitars or something like that but i didn't yeah. even think about it oh man we even to wrote me, like our podcast cheesy. names on the well i did on the um, did you? cd booklet i think yeah not the logos or anything, but I put oh, thank God, I'm podcasts probably by gonna... band members for the websites and shit. But oh, See, yeah. that's where I fail um, at a business guy, you know, like I don't even think about that. I'm, I, to me, it's cheesy to put that on there because yeah. Yeah. knowing that you guys know me, you're probably like, you know, <laughs> look oh, at him. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. who gives a fuck Everybody though, else really? don't know. Yeah. So they wouldn't, and then that would probably spark them to look it up and then, you know. Yeah. Have you thought about like doing the endorsement thing, or, I guess, with other bands outside of I yourself? I have, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, there's some people that I want to approach and say, look, I'll build you a guitar for fuck all. Just pay for the materials and then hopefully they'll play it and spark up some interest, you know? Yeah. You'd That's a pretty good approach, I reckon. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Who would you'd, turn you'd that want down, to you do know? certain or? things. I've, I've seen some of those endorsement agreements where they, they'll give you a percentage discount based on how much stuff you'll do to promote them. Yeah. I can't remember what... There was a couple of companies a while ago that would say... um. You know, we'll give you 50% off if you play it at all your gigs and put the logo on your CDs and stuff, or they'll give you 70% off if you do, like, play-through videos using their thing. Or yeah, right. That was yeah. that Taurus, wasn't it? Taurus, yeah, that, yeah. that one. And, I, yeah, I think there's some other similar sort of stuff. Because, yeah, I don't know whether, like, is it as much as bands just playing it on stage? I guess if they're a big-profile band, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, if it was, like, a huge band, I'd probably give it to them for free or something. But if it was like a band that's not so huge, I'd be like, just pay me for the materials and I'll build it and yeah. mm. I might get some sales out of it maybe. Yeah. Who knows, you know? Yeah, fuck, it'd be tricky just because it's a guitar. It's something that someone always has in their hands as opposed to an amp where you can kind of like, there's almost less, um, people can dial in their own tone on an amp, whereas you can't dial in the feel of a guitar until it's in your hands. You might have a little bit of leeway with the, I don't know, the thickness of the neck maybe, but let's pretend someone likes a thick neck, you build it for them and the neck's slightly thinner than they like. They're like, oh, this fucking thing's shit. But <laughs> yeah, it's just not for them. Yeah. You know, like the difference between like an Ibanez wizard neck that's like paper thin and the, the C-shaped neck you've kind of got on your ESP. Like it's a huge feel thing for a guitarist. Oh, yeah. And the crazy thing, you know, with your hands, they're so sensitive, you can feel like millimetre difference in things, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I've never been like that too, and maybe because maybe because I'm a drummer more than a guitarist, and also a touring drummer, where you got to like get on other people's kits <laughs> yeah, and you're use used to their diversity. Shit. Yeah, at first it's like the worst thing in the world, but then you're like, well, I, I can't afford to bring my own kit, and I'm definitely not going to be bothered hiring one. 
if I use this guys, I can just give it back to them at the end of the night. It's done. Yeah. And then stretching that to guitars, like the best guitarists in the world, all the coolest bands in the world, you see them in the studio and they're using all different guitars because they've got them available. But they're like radically different designs. Yeah. Like the first time I ever played a Les Paul, I hated it. And this is in the 90s. It was, a, it was like a um, Black Beauty, you know, something that people would cut off their arm for. Yeah. And I just picked it up and I was uh, always played strats and I was like, I hate this thing. Sounded good, but, you know, whereas like as I got a bit older, it's just pick it up and everything, you know, it's like beer. Every beer has its own kind of take on the same thing, you know, just get, get over it. <laughs> yeah, I think guitarists sink into that thing where they play one guitar for so long and they just become, that's their thing and they anything else is weird. Mm. Like if you went up to like a, some random guitarist and just just before they walked on stage you like took the guitar off them and said here you have to play this tonight they're going to play like shit most yeah, of them like yeah. if, they're, if they're not amazing some people can just do whatever you know they're just that good but yeah. it'd fucking throw me I reckon because I'm so used to what I'm playing on now you know like yeah. I've got weird um, fretboard radiuses on my guitars they're a bit different mm-hmm. than what you'd find normal I've got like a compound radius and it's a lot a lot tighter radius than what you're used to. Like most guitars have got like a, a 10 inch radius or something, whereas mine's got an eight inch at the nut, which fans out to a 14 when it gets to like the 25th fret. So that's a quite a, a, a steep kind of curve. And I'm what gotten the used fuck? to Fuck, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I've gotten used to that now. So when I play our normal guitars, it feels just like a flat board of a fretboard. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and it's weird. How'd and, you come up with that? Um. It's, a lot of people do it. Yeah. It's quite common in some of the custom guitars. They have that crazy... But that's a multi-scale thing, is it? Or No. Nah, some people do it in all um, just straight fretted guitars. But really? Yeah. So where the Compound fuck Compound radiuses are quite common. They usually, they usually go like 10 to 14, yeah. whereas I've gone 8 at the nut for some stupid reason. Yeah, okay. So is that like quite flat at the nut? No, nah, it's quite round. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, it's really gotcha. arced at the, at the nut. It's like a real tight circle and then it kind of gets bigger as it goes out. So does that help with fretting or something? Like, why do you like that? I don't know. It just feels more comfortable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> so bizarre. Where the hell did you learn, you know, did you just Google and YouTube or like that's what I do? Yeah, YouTube and stuff, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Did, any books or any shit like that or nah. technical manuals? No, nah, um, the way I learn is by visual. Like I can't, I could read a whole book and then fucking forget it the minute I put it down and not, not taking any of the information. Yeah. That's probably why I fucking hated school so much. Yeah, but I can yeah. watch a video on YouTube and then I'll just know it from then on, you know. No way. Yeah. And are there guys that, like Luthiers, that post heaps <laughs> of shit that you would follow them yeah, or something? Yeah, there's some good ones out there that kind oh. of taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And Man. then once you know a lot, you kind of, you know things and then you're like, oh, I can do this and it might help with this. You know, you can kind of piece it together yourself. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how you learn all your marketing horse shit right <laughs> just like other people doing things and demonstrating it I guess so yeah and then trial and error you know? yeah. yeah and then when you build up your knowledge you know what does and doesn't work and you can kind of work it yourself definitely and you start yeah. experimenting and do things out of the norm you know so when you were fucking up necks back in the day is is that part of the trial and error yeah I've only fucked up like, I fucked up like two fretboards and one neck so yeah. not a huge amount but but when rather than it being a technical fuck up, it was more of a like conceptual uh, fuck up. Or? It was always like a technical fuck up. It was yeah. never a design fuck up. It was always 
doing something with a certain tool and then fucking it up and going, oh, I'll, I'll use a different tool and a different a different way of doing that certain thing, you know, like routing mm-hmm. truss rods. Yeah. Was one thing that I fucked up, which was the main thing that I fucked up the first time around. Just, you know, using certain kind of fences and cutting the neck to the to its shape first before doing the, the, the trench mm. was kind of something that fucked me the first time around. I did, like, it's learning how to do things in a certain manner that makes things easier as they come across. Mm-hmm. Like, shaping the back of the neck before you glue the body wings on a neck through guitar. If you don't shape the neck first, when you come to sh- shaping the neck, you've got the horn of the guitar in the way and you start bashing into it with tools and things. It's mm. like easy to shape it close to as you can before you glue it all together, you know? Yeah. And it's things like that where you glue it all up and then you go to shape it and you're going, oh, fuck, I should have done it a different way before, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Nutty. Um, and it's just things like that that you kind of learn and go, all right, I know that now. I won't do that ever again. Yeah. You. So you've broken from like convention so to speak doing that compound radius is there anything you want to do on a guitar that's like quite wacky or innovative or do you have any ideas of how to change like the guitar Mm. from what people know it as i don't know i know like those strandberg guitars have those weird um, triangle or whatever all that bullshit i don't think so eh? or is your goal more just to have like like what the fuck is your goal <laughs> for guitars? My goal is to just build something that's really comfortable yeah. and that looks fucking amazing yeah. and sounds great too, which you kind of got to sacrifice things here and there to get, you know, overall it's the sound that's the most important thing mm-hmm. and then comfort is next and then appearance, really. Yeah. But um, I think I'll come up with some designs that might look different or test the box, you know, but... Mm. See what happens. I don't think you can really innovate on something that's been around for so long. You know, like multi-scale instruments have been around for a fucking long time. Yeah. Like hundreds of years. They had old school fucking instruments from like the 1800s that were multi-scale designs, you know, so it's nothing new. Yeah. And that's for tuning, right? Is Or intonation, is that it? Yeah, intonation and um, string tension and stuff like that. Yeah. Because I know people say that like with piano or something and like the tuning system, tempered tuning versus whatever. I don't I don't actually know what I'm talking about here, but <laughs> I think like it's theoretically close to impossible to have a guitar be in tune with a piano, for example, because of intonation yeah. or some shit like that anyway. Yeah, pianos are wacky things, eh? You yeah. open up the back of a piano and you look in there and you're like, what the fuck's going on in there, eh? <laughs> yeah, they're crazy, eh? <laughs> pianos are nutty. Yeah, I'd love to see someone tuning pianos, eh? I reckon that'd be cool. Yeah, because we recently did that recording with the piano um, and the lid was off and the front was off and the bottom was off as well. And I could see that there were three tuning pegs and three strings for each note. Yeah. So I'm guessing why it's so difficult to tune a piano is you've got to tension three strings yeah. the same and then as you do that across the whole soundboard, like a guitar... You know, it affects the tuning of the other ones And yeah That's why I reckon that there's times Where you can hear a piano is chorusing So it's like one of those three strings Is out of tune Or maybe one or more But like there's still the the right pitch is still there But just every certain string yeah. sounds a bit like weird Yeah yeah, Pretty fascinating Yeah cool It's a crazy things. instrument, eh? Yeah You could What would be sick Is if you had like the middle string in tune Symmetry for some reason appeals to me, and then the left and the right 
one's pitched down, like five cents, and one's pitched up. That's what a lot of chorusing effects are doing inside the circuitry. Yeah, right. And yeah, you could have like a chorus piano. Well, yeah, there's like the three pedals as well. Like, fuck, I'm not even sure what they do. I guess I think they change the... Sustain, the, isn't it? I don't know what they do, oh, eh, to be I honest. No idea. I should know. That's probably dead on the piano, but... Yeah, one of... I don't know how it actually works, but if you hold a piano string down... Uh, sorry, a key down, it'll sustain. As soon as you let it go... That was awesome. Um, as soon as you let it go, it stops. But if you have the damper pedal down, which is... Damper? Yeah, it just blocks the sound. Like, stops no, no, it, well, hold, actually, I think it takes the dampers off. So when uh, you... Yeah, but I don't okay. get it, because like a hammer... Oh, no, maybe I do get it. So if you press it down and the hammer moves off it, and when you let it go, the hammer goes back on. So it must go whack and hold back. Yeah. Whereas with the damper, it must take all the hammers off so then you can play freely and let it go and it'll sustain. Kind of like muting and shit, palm muting and stuff like that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot going on, but <laughs> who the fuck knows or cares? <laughs> 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 Fucking nerds, that's who. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, sick, man. So Have you then, ever thought about recording any of Claim and Throne stuff with an actual piano? Uh, yeah, we have, but for the first time we tried to do it was on not this album, but the one before, and Jessie's got a piano, and her mum's got a piano, and they got a piano tuner in to tune them up. The thing is, because it hadn't been tuned in so long, you can only do baby steps, kind of like when you restring a guitar, you get it in tune, and you got to play it, play it in for a little bit, and it keeps going out of tune for the yeah. first while. Yeah, that'd be annoying. Same deal. Like, you can't do it all in one hit. It's got to be played through. Then a month later, they come back. So, you've got to constantly be retuning yeah. the thing. So, so when we went Rocky to do it, we'd already Rockers. recorded all the guitars. Piano was in tune with itself, but Rocky was pitched Rockers. slightly lower than true pitch. So, if we'd done it the other way around, we could have tuned the guitars to the piano. Anyway, cut a long fucking story in half. Went to Germany, recorded on a live piano there in a studio and that went pretty good but even by the end of that session you could hear some of the keys were just pitching out yeah okay. and um so that was done as an experiment so next time with the claim of throne album we might look into going to a well-maintained piano at a studio or maybe just anywhere stick a couple of mics on it and yeah see how it goes hmm. what do you reckon should we bother totes hmm. anything's possible is it? We can do that shit. At least give it a try. It doesn't work, whatever. Yeah. I suppose we do Be have fun. our own podcast. We can do anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mark here makes his own guitars, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's a good point. I make my own coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy your coffees. Thanks, mate. Could do with one now. I'm just getting jealous of you two drinking beer. Yeah, I'm getting jealous of myself not having another beer. <laughs> but that's a good thing. I would like to know a bit more about what it took to get this album of yours out. Because I think we've been talking about a few things over the Facebook messages over the yeah. last few months here and there. Just like it's crazy things you don't really think about in depth until you have to do it. Yeah. Um, and there's the, the, those crazy little things as well that no one goes into anywhere. You're searching through Google and shit and like yeah. no one really brings it up. Like... And then when you when you hit it yourself, you're like, oh, I didn't think of this. Yeah. What do I do? How do I get about this? You know, like yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think like bands need to talk to them, talk to each other more. Like, so if someone like yourselves just put that out, yeah, like the next band that comes along and goes, how the fuck do I get my music on Spotify? Ask yeah. around and you'll know all that shit now. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I saw that's recently come online, 
as of last week, eh? This week? Uh, yeah, started this week. I think it was Monday or something that came on. Sick. Grotesque feedback loop. Get on it, people. Put yeah, it on it was weird repeat as well. all night. Because um, it came under the name of the old black metal Shit. European fucking... I was about that. And it, it appeared as one of their albums. Fuck. And um, there's an actual feature on DistroKid to put in a... a a request to start your own actual oh, okay. thing, That's which good. I thought they would do. It's weird though because I don't think the actual that old school grotesque they put that on Spotify. Someone else has done it yeah. through like a kind of a disco kid style yeah. thing. So it's just grouped them up under the name grotesque. So it's not an actual artist on Spotify. It just comes up in the search for grotesque because it's got oh, those albums yeah. there. Whereas, course, yeah, yeah, they've created a new one for us that's got a actual album. Yeah, and like on Spotify specifically, I think you can get like your own artist account. I don't know yeah. if you've done that already. And I was looking into that because when, I, when I noticed it. it was showing up under their name, I was like, maybe I have to start my own. And But yeah, they I kind of put in the request and I think it was like the next day it was changed over. That's so good. I was yeah, surprised by that. Did you like set the release date on DistroKid so that it all came out on whatever day? Yeah, or, yeah. Yep, and it just came out yeah. on that day? Wicked. That's what I've done for hours. I was a bit nervous that it won't work. But <coughs> well, I I'd, cool. it, I'd set up DistroKid after it was released, yeah. like the actual release date. So it was kind of, it came out on like the 28th or 29th or, yeah, something like that. And it, But it says on there, released on the 25th, just oh, like yeah. everywhere else kind of thing. Did you put Sick. your old albums on there as well? Um, the old album is actually already on there, oh, yeah. but it was through like a... Yeah, we're when trying we're to get ours off Prime as well. Cuts, yeah, we're, in, we're amongst the... We're trying to get it off there at the moment. Same, yeah. It's taken forever. Yeah. Who mm. does that for you? Distro Kid? Metal Hit. Some company yeah. in America. Because we're Dicey all on go, Prime Cuts. used to go through. Yep. Oh, so you've got to get them to get the shit off for you. Yeah. So to release it. So then you can put it up yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't matter. Like, I mean, you look at ours, our whole discography's there. No one would know the difference, but we have less control over it, I guess. Let me ask you this. How long would it take you to take one of our albums off? I don't know. I haven't had to do that, but I assume I would just click a button and it would be off. But the yeah. problem is that it's all easy these days with stuff like DistroKid, but because they were doing it at the start of the era yeah. years ago, it might be all way harder. I don't really know. So have you got your own artist profile yeah. and all your stuff's through that? Yeah. Didn't you set up a DistroKid and put it on Spotify? Yeah, so you still um, do it through DistroKid or whatever. Um, but it gets put it in underneath your things, but then each platform like Spotify or I don't know what Apple Music and the other ones are like but Spotify you can you have like an account that you log into and you can manage all your Spotify stuff not your actual music as such but put your biography on your tour dates your picture yeah. um, check your stats or stuff like that and yeah I don't know how it will work with the actual discography of how you can do that if it screws up with other band names or whatever but yeah, I was wondering if you went through DistroKid and they would stick it up outside of your artist profile, so your album's on there through them, but it wouldn't show up on your page. I know that when I set it up, it searched Spotify and said, is this you? And came up with like oh, yeah. some rapper. There's like some <laughs> rapper that <laughs> no. goes under the name of Grotesque, which is yeah. hilarious. Wait, there's one also called Claim the Throne. Is there? Yeah. yeah. We and quite often, Night. <laughs> we, we quite often get tagged in like gig posters yeah. from this oh, yeah. rapper because they like do like at Grotesque and we obviously got it first. So we would get tagged in it, not him. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And so you, did, you sold CDs like for the official release date, right? So it was the official release date was the CD launch day. Yes. Where you played a gig. 
And were you selling CDs online as well? We not? did pre-sales oh, on yeah. um, Bandcamp. Bandcamp, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sick. So you got the download on Bandcamp as well? Yeah. We did digital uh, pre-orders. We didn't do physicals. Yeah. So after, on the release date, it was like it opened up to be able to get the physicals. Sick. Which we should have just done pre-orders for physicals as well. But we didn't have them at the time, so I was a bit like... In my yeah, mind, I was yeah. like, we don't have the physicals. How can people buy them if we well, don't sometimes have Sometimes the whole idea mm. of pre-orders, I guess, if you did it early enough... To pay for probably it. Probably would never work is to pay for yeah. it, yeah. But, nah. Pretty, pretty impossible. Um... Yeah, the distro kid things like tip of the year for this podcast, eh? It has been, eh? All yeah. from thanks to Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool to me. I've even yeah. told someone about it who used to, the last thing they were released on is like streaming, like Reverb Nation style stuff. And even those, no, not even you. All right. But yeah, this other dude I know. And I said, look, to do it like that, it's going to cost you, what is it, 60 bucks a year per album? Yeah. Yeah, whereas this is like, 20 bucks a That's year That's been the, the problem For all these years Bandicam. And your CD babies And stuff as well are, um, Per release Yeah So people are reluctant To put all their shit on And they Or they go Well we've got four albums That's going to cost us 200 bucks a year To maintain that Is it really worth it I reckon there's um, like A conspiracy out there Where that Distro And stuff Is the last Attractive looking distro Is the last frontier In the old music business That If they make it hard enough For you to do maybe you'll sign with these dying to dead labels you know and then like your cd babies and stuff will swoop in and go like well it's going to cost you 60 bucks a year per album because it's going to take us more than just one click to put this out and we know that the way the internet works i don't know i don't think it's that hard to do this sort of shit yeah i, don't know, I think there's some sort of yeah. dodgy deals going on totally man you, know, you, you can't just go and get your music on spotify or whatever without someone i don't think an yeah. aggregator of sorts um and it is different with like streaming sites rather than like video streaming sites where like i don't know netflix probably has a deal with certain distributors of whatever but if there's no real independent videos coming out on video streaming sites. Like, that shit goes on YouTube. Mm. Whereas for music, like, so many people just make music in their own house. You don't need cameras and lights and production team. You just need a this recording studio right in front of us to do it. Mm. And, yeah. So, I don't see why it would be more than just a couple of clicks of a button. But, DistroKid, that's why it is so much cheaper, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but anyway, it's a bit of a saving grace, really, I mm. reckon. For I think the thing that I like about DistroKid the most is the fact that they upload your stuff to YouTube yeah. and then they scan and search for anyone that uses your music on YouTube. And Did if you pay if for that feature? Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't. They mo- they mon- if, if someone's got your music on their YouTube video and they've got it monetized, DistroKid fucking flags it and gives you the revenue. Get out. Yeah. That's how that works then. Yeah, because, and so DistroKid as well, I think, um, so the whole album huh. comes out on YouTube, right? Yeah, they upload they it to YouTube. They do that for you. So, you know, when you go to those playlists for a new album and it just plays through every song on the album, mm-hmm. they do that for you. Do you get so a you- streaming royalty from that? Yeah, yeah, but I don't know then if you have to pay for that up, upgrade 15 bucks a year or whatever it is for the mm. YouTube royalty upgrade. Maybe you do, yeah, maybe you do. Yeah. How much is that a year? 
15 a year or something. Well, so that's worth something it. ridiculous. I, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Well, I don't you know, know he, but the thing is, like YouTube, otherwise we would have just uploaded them ourselves and just put a link on fucking go to claimthrown.com and buy it if mm, you want. Yeah. And got no money off it anyway. Mm. So look, this is why it just saves us time having to do it. But I don't know. It's, it's all so crazy. Mm. Yeah, literally the next day after our album launch, our album was all over YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it doesn't take like, long. So it's better if you can beat people to it, I yeah. think. Have your own version. I thought of we would have had to have uploaded it ourselves and had it all kind of on there as if we were the owners of it. But yeah. I don't know how it all works. But And then, like, the, the next day, I'll people were just uploading it and I was like oh no what's going on here so now you'll get probably royalties from all those videos I guess if they've got them monetized monetized yeah yeah. I don't think most of them do they just kind of throw them up there but they've all got links to our pages and merch stores and stuff so it's like it's it's a good way to find music you know and I've used it like um, when I was in Sweden I was looking for Swedish bands to go and watch like local gigs and I had such a hard time finding cool bands to see so I just searched on YouTube let's give this a whirl Wicked Swedish death metal bands, and then it comes up with playlists from like the eighties and nineties. <laughs> so I, of course, went down that rabbit hole, and and all the people uploading the stuff, it's like, look, this is from my CD collection. You can't find this shit anywhere. Search Apple Music; it's on there. <laughs> Hopefully, by them or their label or something, yeah. so they get something out nice. of it. But you know, like it, it at least led me to some place that I could legitimately yeah. play it. Even yeah. though we've talked about that, I don't know if streaming's the awesomest thing for bands these days but put it to you like this i know this is a really shitty way of looking at it but you know what does an album cost to record somewhere between two and ten grand depending on production values if you're an indie artist if you don't do physical pressing and you just got digital all you have to do is somehow recoup ten grand and if you can do it from live shows and maybe some merch you know it's not that bad as opposed to being in Bardot in the <laughs> 90s and uh, yeah having your record label spend a million dollars on your behalf and then receiving a percentage of a percentage royalty from that because you didn't write any of the songs you didn't record it no blah 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 yeah. and so you're just in debt for the rest of your life to Sony Records yeah so man mm. anyway yeah interesting eh I've kind of re- noticed that a lot, not a lot of people like the whole digital download thing like for me, I prefer it mm-hmm. because I'm not like the, like a collector or anything, and I, you know, it's just only going to get thrown away and lost and scratched and shit. But um, we did the digital pre-order, and we we had quite a few digital pre-orders. But when the actual album was released, we just got flooded with people buying the actual physical copy, which I was surprised mm. by. We've got the same thing on our pre-orders at the moment, which I'm pretty amazed by, to be honest. Like, I think we've maybe got four Bandcamp pre-orders, and maybe like. 15 or something people have just bought the CD only from the web store not even a shirt or anything just a CD from yeah all sorts of places so that's metal people for still you do though, it, right yeah, yeah that's they're metal all collectors for you, yeah. and yeah people dig that sort of thing eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what so pretty why awesome people do it but yeah it's important to get good art and stuff still these days because um, yeah like you guys went overseas for art right yeah, yeah. Jig John Jig John Zig yeah yeah and we yeah we did the same some dude off DeviantArt. Yeah, where, who did yours? Nah, it's this guy called Michael Salas. He's, where is he from? South America or something? Uh, North America. Somewhere. North America. I don't know where. Somewhere yeah. there. And yeah, but we, we found stumbled him, across him, eh? Yeah, he'd done this band called Merchant from Melbourne. He did their art. And we were looking for a stripped back 
uh, piece of artwork because we left it so fucking late into the recording of the album. It was a bit of an afterthought and the earlier stuff we did, it was so much detail and took ages to turn around. So we were like, this is really a cool style. It's very minimal. We'll look good on a shirt. Yeah, single single or very low amount of colours. You can change it really easily. Have you guys tried pressing, pressing, printing shirts? For well, them? the yeah, shirts, shirts that we eh? do have mm-hmm. have got artwork from inside the disc, like under the under the tray. We've got artwork in there, and that's the shirt print that we got. Yeah. And that was the most basic of the artworks because we got like three different pieces of artwork. Mm-hmm. So one for the back of the album, one for the front of the album, and then one for under the disc. And that was by far the, the least detailed and least colourful version. Mm-hmm. And the cover, I was talking to the guy and he goes, oh, this is pretty challenging, this piece of artwork. And I was like, oh, thank fuck I didn't give you the cover artwork then, man, because you probably <laughs> oh. would have fucking laughed at me. So how many colours on the shirt for the one that you went with? The, the simple one, yeah. we went with, I think it was a seven colour print. Shit. Wow. Yeah. yeah, because there was all kinds of different gradients of colours. Yeah, even shit. ours, which is just black and white, is three colours. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you've got white... So there's a colour gone, you know, and then... Mm, white all, is right. Yeah, just like, w- before you know it, your five colours are gone. And you got yeah. back print too, eh? Yeah. But that's just a big white feedback loop. And what much. are you selling the shirts for? 20 bucks. Yeah, right. Cool. It costs $19.85 to print. Well, <laughs> the shirts actually cost more than 20 bucks. Really? But, um, oh. Because we've got hoodies as well. The hoodies were actually quite oh, cheap yeah. in comparison. Yeah. So yeah. the money that we're making on the hoodies is going to offset the fact that the shirt's mm. slightly more we, than we what we've done We have a similar thing, thing, actually. Yeah. We're like, yeah, anyway, let me go there. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably why you see a lot of bands have like their wicked detailed album art. The shirt's like a limited thing. Um, and then the next lot of shirts they release are like three completely different designs probably for that reason they've printed the first lot and went like fuck we lost five dollars a shirt on that yeah because i don't know how the colors thing works like yeah it's hard me either really yeah i actually spoke to the guy on the phone because when when i was going through dicey for him he's like oh you know it was going to be a five color print and the guy was like he goes he said to me he goes i would really need 10 colors to make this work as as best as we could so it was leaning towards having to do a digital print to get that amount of colors you know digital prints you can go like 20 plus colors you know yeah which super expensive you end up costing like 35 bucks a shirt or something just to get them made you know so that's kind of like not going to happen and digital print kind of doesn't last as long. It kind of fades and peels off sort of thing. Yeah. But um, I spoke to him mm. over the phone and he kind of went through the process of how he gets the colours and he was like, I can kind of fudge it because there's, there's reds and there was like three different colour browns. There mm. was like a red and an orange and that. And he goes, I can play little tricks and I can use like browns and like greens or something to mm-hmm. like get the different variances of reds <laughs> in there. So he was like, even for him, it was a fucking mission, you know. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, I designed a shirt years ago, seven years ago for Claim of Throne and sent it to the guy and I used two colours, yellow and like white or something like that, grey maybe. And the guy goes, yep, that's a seven colour print. I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? So then I grayscaled it and sent it back to him and it was like almost as much, you know, and I never understood it and I think it is a lot to do that blending like, okay, it might be grayscale but there's different discrete shades of grey in there. Yeah. Which I just thought, don't you just mix white and black? I suppose there's no such thing as black ink or I don't know, fucked if I know. That's one, that's one thing that's hard to unlock. 
is how does that shit work unless you're a graphic designer. Yeah. But I opened a, a packet of crackers the other day and you see on the inside the box, yeah, yeah, the color code yeah. and this photorealistic biscuit on the front is like a fucking 12 color print. Yeah. You see all the colors listed yeah. and yeah, it's pretty spun out. So can I ask how you guys afforded to do all this shit? Recording, printing shirts, pressing CDs, fucking getting shit on the internet, all this stuff. Like, does all the band members just chip in for this stuff or have you been saving f- over the years? Um, definitely no saving for it. Not, not that mm. much planning went into it. It was pretty much just, yeah, getting sconed with a fucking a bill every yeah. time we got anything done, you know. That's why it took so long because we did the drums and, you know, it was like, you know, thousands of dollars just to do the drums mm. so then it was seven months until we did the guitars because we all had to fucking save money and get ready for it you know and then yeah. there was like you know thousand couple of thousand dollars to do guitars and then same for the bass and the vocals and the, the reamping and then the pressings and then the merch you know it's just continuous yeah kicking the nuts of money and <laughs> we're all just paying for it you know so now if pockets. you're selling shit or like if you do a CD launch and you make some money you sort of paying each of the band members off or paying yourself back or something or is that just going in the kitty just goes into the band yeah, really cool. yeah we're none of we've never kind of been all like I put in a thousand dollars for that so I want yeah. it back sort of thing yeah mm. but um, I don't think anyone does that do they it's kind of it's yeah, a write off cost being in a band yeah Did unless you? it's on credit probably like <laughs> shit I need that money back well I don't yeah have the it. merch I kind of stuck on my credit card so with the money from the launch we've pretty much got enough to pay it off yeah. which yeah. has made things good that's pretty standard, I think, though. Yeah, because yeah. uh, it came down to it like none of us had the money because, you know, just getting the CDs pressed was a decent whack of money. Mm. So I was just like, I can't do an album launch and not have fucking merch, you know, and we can't yeah. just have like one shitty fucking design with a logo on it or something. So I was like, no, nah, we need to get full colour prints, hoodies as well because it was fucking winter, you know. Yeah, if you're going to do it, man. And well. glad we did, man, because the hoodies were... We made good money on selling hoodies. Lost a lot of them. Yeah. yeah, you'd be crazy not to. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, did you look into funding or anything like that? Government grants or any shit? We applied for a recording grant. Oh, you did? Yeah, but, you know, no we good. did it ourselves and they probably just went, meh, threw it in the bin because <laughs> yeah. we got denied. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is funny because when, when, when you do the process, you've obviously done it before and you know how it works. You, you get a statement of what bands did get it. And yeah. they're all the same bands every fucking two, three years, you know? Like, this band, yeah, they got it. And then you look back and like, yep, they got it two years ago. They got it three years ago. They got it four years ago. Like, mm. the same group of bands yeah. get it every fucking couple of years. You can go onto like, their websites and look through it. and You it can is see the who gets it. And it's like, surely these bands, and some of the bands are like bands that are doing things around Australia a lot, you know? And I'm like, aren't they the ones that can afford to fucking pay for are their own albums? Are you talking about Claim of Throne? No, 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 you guys. <laughs> some other bands that, you know... I've seen them do like lots of touring and stuff and I'm like surely those guys can afford it and then you know there's the other bands that are struggling that could really do with it and you're like you know why mm. not give it to them but that's when they Maybe should they offer can't like extra feedback or extra assistance with it you know and I think you can do that I mean you can go into their I've been into their office before and actually gone through shit and they yeah. show you how to do it and they help you beef your application up and stuff yeah. I guess but that's what they should probably be encouraging the bands the younger bands that haven't had one before to share it around a bit but I've noticed that the actual application itself would weed out a lot of yeah amateurs off the bat because it's a fucking assignment yeah you know fucking Ross Ross did the did it and he spent so much time on it <laughs> and even then we got knocked back you know so yeah. we were like fucking hell maybe we just got to drive down there and give a few wristies or something <laughs> <laughs> 
But there's other, I've never really done them, but there's other grant options around Australia as well, I think, like um, Australia-wide ones and different um, found foundations or companies and stuff that offer certain grants and stuff, but yeah, I haven't really looked into them enough, but... Yeah, we probably could have gone through Dicey and got him to help us, but... Then the thing is, you got to pay. Like, fuck it, you know, we'll he wouldn't, do it ourselves. wouldn't want to do it unless he gets a c- couple hundred bucks, maybe, and then. Yes, yeah, fair enough. I, I'll rather pay someone to do it, but we kind of felt like let's just fucking do it ourselves. I think so, you man. Know? It's a good let's, exercise let's anyway. It helps you here. Yeah. understand more about your band and yeah, make sure you've crossed all your T's and all that. If maybe next time, if you do it, and then you're on a list that says you've applied before. Yeah. You ask for feedback or something, I don't know, and then they go, oh, yeah, these guys are zero. Because when we when we were driving here, we are talking about um, certain companies and endorsements and stuff like that. And um, I've applied for that many over my life and I've, I've found it hard to even get a no from people. Like no fucking response. Yeah. I've had people go, you've sent this to the wrong place. But then you <laughs> find out later that, you know, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Send it here, and you never even have someone. Same as emailing shit. European metal festivals saying, "Can we play next yeah. year?" You never yeah. get a reply. <laughs> <laughs> well, they must get bombarded with so well, much that's shit, what we're man. Saying. Same as endorsements, but but yeah, like they probably yeah. do get so much stuff across their table, and it's probably chumps like me. Like and that's why they go via agencies or whatever, and that's why they would yeah. use the record labels and use their um, what's it called the people in each state or whoever yeah. rep, reps. It's like guys who are get on European metal festivals. Like every person in the band gets endorsed by the companies that yeah. sponsor the event because they're like, oh, okay, finally you've weeded out the people who aren't serious. Yeah. The, the problem is, is that all of the DIYers among us get lumped in the same category of just like just another hopeless sucker yeah, trying no to get somewhere in life yeah. with no self-esteem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, uh, that's what I reckon about grants. And what I think is good is that you guys obviously work jobs. Yeah. And you give a shit about what you do and you want it to sound good. Like you didn't go, oh, you know, drums are going to cost X. Um, we'll program them. Because like why does Trev bother practicing that's, and that's tuning something. his kit and all of that shit for you just to program them, you know? He like, would never do that just as yeah. a pure pride thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's my opinion as well that listeners of the Claim Throne Blodgecast will agree that I reckon these three microphones right here, I'd rather hear Trev play through them any day than a like high-class program drum production, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's some... With musicians in general, tone may or may not be in the hands, whatever, but if you, you can tell the difference between something that's real and something that's not, like on a movie... CGI, even if it's fucking awesome, still is a bit like you can just tell straight away, you know, that something's not quite right. The yeah. way that person moves, you've never seen anyone in your life move kind of like that. And it's the same thing with music. And uh, what's this band? Nile. This is a great example. <laughs> Pretty awesome production, but you can hear that this is a. I love that people say like all metal sounds the same and you can just tell off the first chord what yeah. band oh, yeah. that is. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, you listen to this snare drum in the blast, right? You can just tell that he's like hitting like a f- super fast blast beat, nice and soft. Then when he hits the chorus, it's all rim shots. Yeah. And even, yeah, he's triggering, but you can hear that he's playing those kick drums. So sick. And um, then watch him play live and it's all good. 
But listen to newer Nile, and you can hear a lot more trigger on the snare drum. I'm sure he's still playing it. I believe he can play everything he says he can. But yeah, just the sound of it, it just starts to get less and less real. And I don't know. I think it's pretty worthwhile spending money on recording and yeah, if it comes from your well, pocket. Yeah, we've been down the road of cutting costs and doing things on the cheap and it always reflects in the end product. Mm. So this time around, we're like, we've spent so much time on it and we've delayed it for so long. Like we can't spend all that time and then release something and people go like, oh, it's fucking, that's mm. shit. It sounds like shit, you know? So we made sure that man, we wouldn't spend the money, get the best dude for the job, which was obviously Sam, mm-hmm. get it done fucking good, sound good, spend good quality money on artwork because in the past that was something that screwed us over we didn't even think about the artwork until after we'd recorded it mm-hmm. and then we're like oh shit we've got a deadline what do we do oh get some random guy to just do some artwork and then slap together a layout and it just looks like shit you know mm. like we actually had this artwork done before we started recording John the album. Zick did the whole layout and everything now um one of Josh Josh's mates did the layout oh, yeah. but um yeah he did all the artwork before we'd even recorded anything so we made oh, sure man. we got that done pretty Major quick. kudos getting it all done. It's not fucking easy, eh? Yeah. Uh, so you, it's out. Do you yeah. find that like, you know, when you're under the pump and you're like, fuck, I've got a deadline, I've got these dates that no one in the world gives a flying fuck about your deadline. Uh, once it's out, they're like, oh, this is incredible. Yeah. You know, like, is it self-imposed stress, do you think? Man, or? I fucking was pretty fucking stressed out hey yeah. i was yeah i was having a bad time in the <laughs> weeks leading up to it you know all the all the effort and because no one sees that side of things you know yeah. like sending forward like emails to the guy doing the layout and then sending it to the the pressing company and then them saying oh this is fucking wrong you got to tweak this and tweak that and then you got to go back to the other guy and you're already past his deadline and you're mm. crapping your dax that it's not going to get done on time you know but this is because you've announced a launch and a launch show right a release yeah, show. Because yeah, because there was a date on yeah. top of it that had to happen, you know. But in terms of the previous few years, like I think with Claim of Throne, we fell in a bad place twice in a row when we booked a launch show before we'd started recording. So oh, even though we had, a, we had a few things in that's place. strategic on my part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah. all hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like... Is it to force you to get it happening? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And honestly, that side of it works. But Can always cancel a gig, eh? Creates stress and you don't want to cancel and you don't want to do this sort of shit but in terms of just like some bands are like fuck we gotta just we gotta just put something out and they'll cut all the corners in the world just to get it out by a date that they arbitrarily set in the first place <coughs> like Cabot chose yeah. that date because he would think okay as a band we know our songs we should be able to get this shit together by that time whereas like some other people just like get scared me myself like i think like oh fuck i wrote that song in 2008 nah it's it's done or whatever it's 10 years later i've got to fucking write something new but do you like i don't know i went through that thought you know yeah we were gonna like just i was even thinking let's just chuck some of the older songs like three or four songs let's just do like an ep get them out there Mm -hmm. get it out and then write another three or four songs really quickly to make a full album because mm-hmm. in my mind it's like oh they're so old but no one no one knows you know like if I yeah. didn't tell you that, that some of the songs were that old you wouldn't know would you no 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 way especially with modern production values if you yeah. recorded them 10 years ago I'd know and it's been completely different yeah though. and I reckon it's worked well because it's got such a dynamic on the album because the way I wrote music 
fucking six, seven years ago, he's completely changed the way I do now. Mm-hmm. So there's some songs that are hell like erratic and techy, which were the older ones, and then there's some now that are more like mature and groovy mm-hmm. and got mm-hmm. more like a, you know, I've matured as a songwriter more and it's got that feel across it and you can tell it's not just the same thing for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Even though it is just fucking 250 BPM blast beats for <laughs> half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad to hear that you're stressed out about it all. It's refreshing oh, yeah. to be able <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Every every band goes through the same shit. It's, it's fucking crazy, but it's worth it in the end. And yeah, here well, we are. At least we kind of so got them all done on time and that. Of of totally. yeah. We've probably all been in the same situation of getting stuff done on the day. Especially when you're you're putting your faith in other people as well so you're sending emails to people to get them to get their artwork done or whatever and you want it done by whatever date and then they're not replying to you for a few days and then you're going to send follow-ups yeah. and then they ask you some shit and you're like oh, I don't this know bit? sorry this little run I love that <laughs> awesome. anyway, uh, anyway yeah. what's uh, next for you guys um, we're going to do some touring fuck yeah yeah have you got stuff lined up? Yeah, we do. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we've got some, some stuff in the works at the moment. Cool. Cool. Keep our eyes peeled for that. Some international things. Hell yeah. Keep our fours peeled for that. Yeah. Keep our fours peeled all Wanna the way back Want to do some Aussie stuff, one. but I think international will come first. Oh, for real? Yeah. Surely awesome. that's, that's preferable. I think that's a bigger deal playing overseas. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Listen to Cabba. Cabba. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go to fucking Bunbury when they can go to wherever? My Nana? Yeah, I'd go to visit your Nana, but something around there's Australia better death metal festivals in other countries. <laughs> uh, cool. It. Album of the week. Yeah. What have you been listening to this week, Mark? Um, New Decrepit Birth. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The couple of Ark Spire songs that were released. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Any good? Yeah. I really dig them. I, I thought that album was going to be so ridiculously tech that it was just going to be another one of those... Riff spam tech albums, but they've got this cool dynamic across it where it's really mm. well written, you know, so it's not over the top. Sick. But it is at the same time, you know what I mean? <laughs> Have you heard any of it? No, I haven't oh, actually. Yeah. I didn't even know it was out. Yeah, I was, the album's not out till like kind of mid September, I don't think. So, but yeah. they've released three songs. I have listened to a lot of the first half of that Decrepit Birth album. Yeah. Just like every time I put it on, I get interrupted at some point, but I'm quite enjoying it a lot. And yeah, like I said, the vocals are, were a bit hard for me, but yeah, now I think I get it. Something cosmic, right? <laughs> Inside his own brain, perhaps, but yeah. <laughs> Do you get inspired by that sort of shit to like push faster and stuff? Or do you think you've found your pace um, with Grotesque? I think we've found our own pace and style and I think we've had it for a little while now, whereas... I don't think we get influenced by outside bands anymore. I get inspired by them, but I don't think I, their music finds its way into my music. You know, when you're first starting out, you'll mm. be like, hell yeah, sick-ass riff, and you love it, and you think it's original, and then you'll listen back, oh, it just fucking sounds like a Cannibal Corpse song that you listened to three days ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we've kind of got our own style now, and I think it kind of comes across on the album, and we're going to try and refine it as yeah. we move forward. Sick. Do you think it'll be like however many years between the next release and this one? Hopefully not. I've already started writing some new stuff. Like, we, we probably could have written multiple songs in the past year since we recorded most of it, but... Doing having shit yourself. <laughs> yeah, having it all there and having something there now, I can move on. 
because the album was never finished, I didn't feel like I could move on to the next thing until it was done. Mm. And now that it's literally like sitting there in front of us, you know, it's like, all right, I can move on now and start something else. Mm. Whereas I didn't feel that I could until it was finished. Weirdly enough, I don't know. My brain's yeah. weird. Weight That's off cool. your shoulders and yeah. Yeah, move, move I, I, now I feel one. like I can wash my hands of it and be like, that is done now. <laughs> next thing. Yeah. Because the, the next album, I want to do it as in like a concept album. So the whole album is all about this one specific thing and all the songs relate to each other and it's, it's going to be planned out better. And mm-hmm. like rather than just writing a bunch of songs over the course of a bunch of years and then just like throwing random lyric concepts at them, I want it all to reflect in this one overall idea. Mm-hmm. Sick. Yeah. What about you, Cabba? Album of the week? Uh, this morning I was listening to that album by Pagan Rain. Which is called I can't remember Because there's so many words Sparks of glory And revival of ancient greatness (laughs) (laughs) That's what was on in the car Yeah It's like some real wacko Folk metal from uh, Russia Or Ukraine Or somewhere over there I've never heard of it When I say folk metal It's like Black metal cross folk metal That they do over Eastern Europe way um, and what, I, ma- what made you buy that? I'll, I'll tell you why, why. Please do. I bought it about 10 years ago probably, but I used to buy all these ridiculous um, Russian folk medley things off eBay. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got heaps of CDs and I haven't really even listened to them all that much. So lately I've just been going through my CD um, rack and any CDs I see that I actually don't know what the fuck it is. I've just been taking it out and listening to it in the car or whatever. So that's why I was in there. It's all right. Wouldn't probably go and buy it now, but enjoyable listen. Mm, I'll definitely listen to it while I'm held captive in your car on the way home. <laughs> 45 minutes back to Corrine. Yeah. <laughs> nah, sick. Your turn. Uh, I, don't, I don't actually have one, I'll be honest. I watched Ooh. that uh, HBO series, The Defiant Ones. Have you heard of that? No. It's like Dr. Dre and Jimmy oh, yeah. Iovine talking about how they made Beats headphones and sold it for okay. billions. Yeah. And then it's kind of follows their life stories as they, like, and how they converged at some point. And it was actually pretty fucking awesome documentary. A lot of footage and stuff I've never seen, blah, blah, blah. Quite interesting. Very old music industry kind of thing. So, yeah, from that, because uh, there's a bit of Nine Inch Nails in there and stuff, everything off Interscope Records, I just picked and chose a bunch of, picked and chose <laughs> a bunch of stuff off those um, episodes just to refresh my memory and look at it from a different point of view and hear about what they might have been up against at the time. But, uh, yeah, nothing in particular stands out. But the doco was cool, so maybe check that out. Awesome. If you give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Can we play a grotesque song at the end sure. of this podcast? What's well, a good episode? A uh, good fucking... <laughs> shut up, um, Gabba. <laughs> song. I don't know. You what is a good song? Any of them? <laughs> Good episode. All pretty crap. Um, Obscure? Probably Deficiency. deficiency. One of my favourites. The episode Deficiency is coming up now. And yeah, where do people find out more about Grotesque and Hawkins Guitars? Um, I guess Facebook and stuff. Yeah. We're not really one of those social media present bands. We kind of... Avoid it, I guess. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, I guess Facebook. What about the Bandcamp, then? Yeah, Bandcamp is probably the main... If you want to buy anything, Bandcamp's the, the way to go. Is it grotesque.bandcamp.com? Um, I think it's Grotesque Official. official. Cool. Should, Same as Facebook, Grotesque that, Official, yeah. probably. 
Yeah, the uh, the Facebook and the Instagram and Bandcamp are all the same. Grotesque yeah, official. Grotesque official. Sick as. And they'll find links to your guitar shit on there as well, I assume? Um, probably not. I think Hawkins Guitars on Facebook is probably... And Hawkins Guitars on Instagram is where you can see the guitars. Mad as. Probably should have links to them on our band page too, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can obviously hear exclusively Hawkins Guitars yep. on the new Grotesque. Yeah, mm. that's one of my six strings that I built on that album. And the new Claim of Throne. And the new Claim of Throne on more than a couple, but primarily on two tracks on there when the goddamn album comes out. Um, what are they? Windfall and My Dying Throws. And that little guitar lick at the start of My Dying Throws sounds pretty mad if that's on the Hawkins, is it? It is, actually. And interestingly enough, that was off the demo of that song because I, at the time, had this preamp that sounded really cool and I just couldn't, like, get it to sound the same again, so I just pulled it straight off the demo and chucked it in. Um, but, yeah, that whole fucking song is just that Swamp Ash Hawkins guitar. So Sick. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Sounds good. And I like that there's a lot of colour on the album in terms of guitars. It's nice to do different stuff. Yeah. Not to, like, start up a full conversation again, but did you just use <laughs> one single guitar on the whole album? Just or? one, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess your kind of music, you would, wouldn't would mind having that variance of different guitars because yeah. your songs have different moods in there, whereas ours is just balls to the floor, yeah, blasting true. and chunky, groovy death metal for the whole thing. So yeah. uh, a consistent guitar tone was what we're after. Yeah, sick. Fun awesome. for the whole family. All right. Thanks for bloody joining thanks, us, mate. mate. Thanks Finally. for having me, guys. It's been good. And uh, yeah, took years to get you on here, but it's done now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah.
Let's go.